Listeners, attention. Welcome to Military Life Talk, where we talk about the ins and outs of life in the military. Today, we will be getting insight on Dr. Corinne Devon, a Navy commander who works as an orthodontist. She is currently stationed in Italy. How are you doing today, ma'am? I am doing wonderful. How are you? Oh, I'm doing great. So, Commander Devon, so tell me more about you. So, you were commissioned in 2007. What did you do before then? Before 2007, I was actually attending dental school at University of Nevada, Las Vegas, and I was on a scholarship known as the Health Profession Scholarship Program from the United States Navy. So I had the privilege of having my school for paid for by the Navy, but I didn't have to be in uniform or do really anything for the Navy except keep up good grades and graduate on time. Did you always know that you were going to be in the Navy? Oh my gosh, absolutely not. I was, I, I could say I drank the Kool-Aid. So my father was a Navy dentist. And if you told me at eight years old that 20 years later, I would be doing the exact same thing that he was doing, which serving as a dentist in Operation Desert Storm, I would have told you you were crazy. But as faith kind of had it, I decided after college that I want to go to dental school and I'm not sure if your listeners know, but dental school is incredibly expensive. The average cost of dental school when I went, which we're talking many years ago, at over 10 years ago, was about $250,000, $300,000. And that cost has gone up. And so when I was looking at ways of how I could get school paid for, there I discovered this scholarship program. And it's offered by the Army, Air Force, and Navy. And as luck would have it, I applied through the Navy and got selected. And halfway through dental school, I went to, I you would say officer school, but it was a six-week program. It's called It was called officer indoctrination school, but I believe the name has changed officer development school. It's in Newport, Rhode Island. And we learned how to be officers. And I was with nurses, engineer, nuclear physicists, the JAGs all the docs, and after we graduated, many of those students went into the military, and then I went back to dental school to finish before I commissioned um, in May of 2007 into the Navy full-time. So you went to UNLV, right? Um, The last time I spoke to you, you did say you were a communications major, am I correct? You are absolutely right. So in college, I got my bachelor's degree in communications. I realized that I did not want to major in biology or zoology or chemistry, although I admire my science geeks and nerds because I'm one of you as well. But I decided that communications felt more true of what I wanted to do. And I, I did want to go into some sort of mass media communications. But what really lured me into dentistry, I'll be honest, was a little eight-year-old girl that I met and working in the public health sector with my father. Oh, wow. And we would go to elementary schools where many of the kids came from impoverished families. And what I realized doing that and seeing this little girl who had cavities down to the bone, they were rotted, her teeth were rotting down the bone, I realized that I wanted to go in dentistry, but I wanted to know how to communicate better to patients. Because let's be honest, everyone, including yours truly, is scared of the dentist. And very often you have to gain someone's trust. So I wanted to find a way to combine those two passions. So I majored in communications, but I took all the prereqs. There's about nine science courses that you have to take 
to go to dental school. And with my major communications, I did a thesis in for my bachelor's degree that talked about effective communication strategies to use for children in public health care. So not a traditional way of going to dental school, but that's always been my way, kind of going down off that beaten path and, and finding a, a new innovative way to get in. So how did it, how did communications, so like you did major in it. I just want to know, like, how did it lead to, how did everything about your upbringing, your family, how did that lead to you becoming an officer? Well, you know, when I graduated and I got my degree in communications and went to dental school, I re I started doing, um, looking at those scholarships. But what I realized was that, you know, I'm not sure the Navy would be a good fit for me. So I did a couple clerkships. I went down to San Diego. I met with a couple recruiters. And, you know, I didn't see myself on a ship. I didn't see myself in a submarine like my brother or find Black Hawk helicopters like my cousin. But what I really liked was that when I met all of these dentists in the Navy, they we were in scrubs. It was a very collegial environment. And everyone there wanted to give every single one of their patients the top-notch care, and they worked as a team. And to me, that really attracted me because I love, the fa- I love to learn. And the fact that I could work with all these different specialists and have a job the day after graduating from dental school to me was very appealing because very often my classmates would graduate, they would get licensed, and then they would just open up an office and be by themselves. And to me, I love being part of a team. And so that's what drew me to the Navy. And I also like to be challenged. And let's be honest, the military definitely has its challenges. And that, um, and to, and to, in order to be a dentist in the Navy, you go down an officer path. So that's what kind of drew me there. I'll be honest, I may be a commander in the Navy, but you put me next to an ensign who's a line officer, and I guarantee they know way more about the Navy than I do when it comes to um, military knowledge. The Navy hired me for my brain, that is for sure, and my, and my skill set. <laughs> so now I would like to move forward and learn about your becoming an orthodontist for the Navy. So... For enlisted sailors, we go to recruit training at recruit training training command, and we we get a ton of discipline, lots of sense of urgency, all that stuff. Where was your um, officer candidate school, and was there was it the same amount of discipline that you've heard of for recruit training command? You know, I love it that you asked that question because my brother is actually enlisted in the Navy. He's in the reserves now in Washington, and so. We definitely compared our notes, and I would definitely say it's it is very different. And even officer development school is different different than officer candidate school that the line officers will go through. You know the ROTC. So you know I would say for my program we were required to show that we can have and maintain a certain physical stamina, which I imagine you guys have to do as well. Oh yeah. We had to um, pass some basic military knowledge, which I imagine is similar across the board as far as military customs, traditions, greetings. But, you know, our program is so short and we are looked upon as kind of, um, you know, a supply, you know, it's different, a staff core, as they would say, versus a line community. So where I would say some of the differences would lie is that, you know, we are told to look at chiefs, even though we outrank them, but as mentors, as junior officers, especially in our field. 
And another area where I would say it's different is let's say that you and I are on a ship stranded, like out by sea. And I have, it's me, the doctor, there's an, an, an ensign and you on there. Both the ensign probably would be taking charge. That's a line officer as well as you over me. Even though you would be so respectful of my rank, you too would be in charge, not me. So that's kind of where some of the differences are. I would definitely say um, I feel that you guys definitely go through some more mind games just because there are some things that they are training you to learn. But um, all in all, I think we all want the same thing on the military. We want to get better educated. We want to maybe be part of something bigger than ourselves. And every place you go, that's where you'll find that leadership and that mentorship. It's just, I think, at different levels, it's it's expressed, you know, with, with who you are and who you serve with. So what kind of training did you get um, at Officer Development School? Gosh, you're definitely reaching back into my memories. This is 2005, so we're talking 15 years ago. Um, so some of the training that I remembered is learning how to put a fire out in the firehouse, except that week the propane tank blew. So we got very little training. Um, we got onto a ship in a, a pool where it was, the ship was sinking and we had to plug up all the holes. I remember getting tossed into the pool with the khaki, like long sleeve shirt, khaki pants. And we had to do like a dead men's float. Oh, we never even I, got that. I'm sorry? Oh, we never even got that. You never got that? No, we didn't Gosh, get that. Gosh, I'm trying to think what else. We we had a lot of exams. I remembered doing a lot of exams, a lot of running. I was the smallest person there, and my chief always had us do a lot of push-ups. They would randomly check our room, tear our rooms apart, made sure we had our school squares, um, cleaning, constantly cleaning, um, being at attention, you know, but I kind of in some ways looked at it as a game, and it's just like you just had to play the game. And maybe it was just having a very militant father and growing up on military bases. I, I know some of the people that was there, it kind of affected them a little bit more than me, but I just I, I just looked at this like, guess what? I'm here. They're paying for me to go to school. Like, I don't know anyone else who's getting this great of opportunity, and all they have to do is serve four years in the military, and that's it. So during ODS, so during boot camp, we are not allowed to have our phones. Is it the same thing for ODS? Yes. We're not allowed to have phones, no sweets, no coffee. I think none of the officers are allowed to have coffee. I'm not a coffee drinker. I remember that. Um, sometimes we had to open up our mail in front of them. Um, no makeup. Our hair always had to be pulled back. The guys got all their hair cut really short. Um, very uniform, always marched in formation, no matter where we went. So, yeah, those were some of the things I remember we had to do. So what do you remember was the motivation that got you through? You know, I would have to say it was, it was my, um, the people in my company. I had some really great people in my company. I, ironically, one of the guys that's in my company, he's now the governor of Florida today. His name is Ronald DeSantis. Um, we have, I had another guy in my company who now ran for governor. He lost in the tightest race um, from the state of Nevada, where is my state of legal residence, where my dad retired from the Navy. Um, and then a few other people that just, you know, we just kind of looked out for each other. And I, and I think what was really nice was that 
there was a couple people in our company who were former chiefs and then they they call them mustangs when they become officers and i just always appreciate the advice they give me anytime i felt down or i felt like i was getting picked on they would just remind me of what to focus on or what to change or do differently and i always really appreciate that constructive feedback and so i would definitely say you know it's just having your shit meets because you're not the only one going through this. They're there with you. And I feel like that's what really what helped make that experience a great one. So tell me about ODS and the and the feeling you had when you graduated and you're officially an orthodontist in the Navy. So when I graduated from ODS, I was still in dental school. So I wasn't an orthodontist in the Navy yet. Um, I wasn't even a general dentist yet. But graduating felt great. Um, it was, it was definitely a sense of relief, but also it got me really excited about the Navy. And so two years later, after I graduated from dental school and I swore again, I was excited to come into the Navy and what was awesome from doing ODS early was that I was able to build some connections and start growing my military network. And that led me to doing another clerkship in San Diego where I met my mentor, Captain Scott Curtis. He was the commander at the time. And you realize how small the military is. Little did I realize that his father and my dad actually served together in the Navy Dental Corps. They overlapped by a few years. And from there, um, when I graduated from dental school, and now, you know, when I'm when you're in dental school, you're an ensign. When you graduate, you're a lieutenant, and it's the same for medical school. Um, I already felt like I kind of had. I walked in the Navy, and I already had some dads who were already there. And from having some of those connections, it led me to believe that I should that I should specialize. I never thought in a million years I would be an orthodontist. I've never had braces. I actually wanted to be a pediatric dentist. And by the stroke of the Navy telling me, no, we need you as a general dentist, it opened up other doors and other opportunities. And that was working with oral surgeons and orthodontists and seeing all the cool things I could do for my patients. And what really sealed the deal was when I was on deployment in Iraq in 2009, I took care of a lot of Marines where I had to wire their jaw or save their teeth. And that just solidified to me why I wanted to be an orthodontist. I love getting to know people and developing a rapport and a relationship. And the best part is I get to give people back a smile that would be very expensive and a lot of um, time for them to afford outside of the military. Wow, that is very, very impressive. Oh, uh, thank you. Thank you. I have to thank my patients. They catch my bullets. <laughs> so um, so since, since ODS, how many years have you been an officer now? So I, the the clock actually started in May of 2007. So as of this weekend, it will be 13 years, which is hard to believe. It goes by so quickly. Wow. What's that been like for you? For me, you know, it's definitely had its ups and downs. I, um, I was really glad that I started my career doing a just one year general practice residency. It's called an advanced education in general dentistry. So I got to work with a lot of very seasoned specialists and people who have been in the military for over 10 years. And doing a deployment in Iraq was fantastic. Even today, I was on the phone with my battle buddy that I've known for 11 years. And, you know, from there, I I got to do residency with the Army, the Air Force. Um, Most people don't realize, but there's only one 
tri-service res orthodontic residency program in, in the U.S., and it's actually on an Air Force base. So as a Navy lieutenant, I was called captain, which that's the equivalent for the Air Force, but that meant, you know, feeling like the youngest captain in the Navy. <laughs> but then I got to work with the Army Air Force and see how they do things. And, you know, from there, I've, I've been stationed in Japan, and then I went back to California, back where I started, and I now was the mentor to all these new officers. And, you know, and here I'm in Italy, so it's it's been a whirlwind. I've, I've practiced on three continents. I've been to over 50 countries. I have no debt, which feels amazing. A lot of my colleagues bless their heart right now. I know they're going through a lot with bills just piling up and not working. And even in the midst of what's happening in the world, it still feels great to be part of something really bigger than myself. And I, I enjoy the people I get to work with. I never would dream that I would have so many interactions with emergency medicine doctors or pharmacists or anesthesiologists, people completely outside my field. And, you know, the friendships and the camaraderie you build, you'll have it for a lifetime. So how tough was it to become a commander? Because that's a lot of ranks to go through to get to commander. How hard was it for you? It is hard. Um, it was my goal because it's what the rank my father, it was the rank that my father retired as. I, um, you know, I tell people if you want something in the military, that means you're going to have to do stuff that no one else is willing to do, and you got to do it really well. And so that's what I did. I, I volunteered to go on deployment as soon as they would let me. I got my board certification. And sometimes that meant me taking leave and spending money out of my own pocket that wasn't covered to get it done. Um, that also meant, you know, willing to move. In this upcoming summer, depending on what happens, this will be my seventh move in 13 years. And so, you know, I have gone to places where my colleagues, you know, didn't go or couldn't go and they needed someone to go. And so I went there. So I think when you have that mindset that you really are willing to go above and beyond what other people are willing to do, it, it puts you ahead of the pack. And I'll be honest, I was actually really nervous being up for rank because I rotated, which every career counselor will tell you that's not what you want to do when you're in zone because you go to a base and you're the new kid on the block. But you just learn to shine. You learn to find out what the problems are, and then you be very resourceful. And, and, you, and you build a tribe. You build a network of people that, that can help you, and, and in turn, you can help them. So, by the way, thank you for telling me all, all of that. You're – your work is definitely very inspirational. Um, oh, my pleasure. So I'd like to move on to, because I've heard a lot of stuff that you do outside the military. Um, what is it that you do? So besides being a orthodontist and a commander of the Navy, my other passions um, go into motivational speaking and pageantry. So I... Um, I got into pageants in dental school as a complete dare from one of my classmates who told me I couldn't do it. Never was I the little girl doing it growing up. I just fell into it. Wow. And um, yeah. how, do you, how, did, how do you balance that with the military? You know, I, I definitely say it has its ups and downs and it's challenging. Um, I have learned very early on that there is a few people that I need to become new best friends with on every base. That is my public affairs. Those are my JAGs and my IT people. If you have one of those people in your pockets that you become good friends with, 
Um, one, it makes sure that you're doing everything by the book, but two, it also keeps you out of trouble. And it also lets you know some opportunities you wouldn't know before. So, uh, you know, for me, I've had some leadership that's been incredibly supportive of me doing competitions and pageants, especially when I show them the things that I will do with it. And I've had some leadership that's been a bit more reserved and not as um, positive with me doing it. So I, I would definitely say overseas, it's been great because it, I can use it for the good of the community as far as being an ambassador. So for example, this upcoming, I guess next week, every day feels a little bit like a Groundhog Day right now, <laughs> but next week I'm actually doing um, virtual sessions with my Italian public affairs officer. And we and before COVID-19, we would go to schools and I would educate children and I would speak some Italian and some English so they get used to hearing um, American English and discuss with them different careers or for this upcoming week, it's actually going to elementary schools, but virtually through Zoom and teaching kids how to take care of their teeth and what good foods to eat and nutrition. Um, just because, you know, here in Italy, they don't always have all the same resources that our kids in America have. So because of pageants, and because of the support of my public affairs team, I'm able to do really cool things like that. It's been a great door open up for me. So one one of the other things I like to know, because you are a commander, um, what are what are your goals for the years to come? Gosh, well, <laughs> I would say my immediate goal is that I'm able to see all my patients as soon as my commanding officer and, you know, Big Navy lets me. I would say that's definitely, I'd love to finish as many cases. But, you know, I, I definitely aspire to put on captain. Um, the, you know, my father retired, bless his heart, as a commander of the Navy, and I would love to bring a Captain Devon to the Navy. And some of the ways that I'd like to do that is explore um, executive leadership in Navy medicine. So there is some roles where we can serve um, administrative, but also be clinical. Because I still love being an orthodontist. It's really an awesome job to make people smile and to give that gift to, to so many people who do so much for me. So that's one goal I have. Um, another goal that I have is I know that the president has an award that he gives for people who do some outstanding volunteer projects. So I have a couple ideas. In the, um, I haven't fully formed them, but that's something I like to do. And lastly, I got into motivational speaking by chance um, when I was in Japan. I was asked to be the keynote speaker for STEM. And STEM stands for Science, Technology, Engineer, Mathematics. So the Department of Defense Education um, School System, they asked for me to come speak to young middle school girls and encourage them to explore fields um, in science, technology, engineer, mathematics. And what I didn't realize is how much I love being on stage and looking at these girls and remembering what it was like when I was in their shoes. And so that's something I definitely hope to explore um, with the blessing of the Navy while I'm in. And then when I leave the Navy, have it something that I could do more of and maybe publish a book someday. And one more thing is that how could people know more about you? Because you're definitely, you seem really awesome. So is there any social media where people can hear your motivational speeches, any of that? Absolutely, Raphael. So there's a few ways people can find me. 
If you go on to Facebook, um, it's facebook.com slash Dr. Corinne Devin, and that's D-R-C-O-R-I-N-N-E-D-E-V-I-N. I also have a YouTube channel, Dr. Corinne Devin, and an Instagram, which is at Dr. Corinne Devin. So any of those ways, people are more than happy um, to reach out to me, connect with me. If there's a field that you want to go into, perhaps you want to go into the submarine community, or perhaps you're interested in going um, the route of the academy, you know, I have a wealth of network of people that I can definitely connect you to, and I'm, I'm happy to be that bridge for you because um, the military is the largest corporation in the world, and there's a lot of people there, and it's never too early to start building your tribe. All right. Thank you, Commander Corinne Devin, for taking the time to be on my show. It is an absolute pleasure. Have a wonderful day and be safe. Thank you for thank you for once again tuning into Military Life Talk. This is Rafael Fogoshensel from kpcradio.com signing off. Attention on deck.